0: Here's the truth that might be hard to swallow. If you're a service-based business owner and people are paying you for your services, but you don't have an educational or training offer yet, it's going to be really hard for you to scale that business. Here's the thing. Service providers have two options to scale their revenue. Option number one, go down the agency route. Hire a team to be able to take on more clients, increase your prices, become quote-unquote more professional, the whole shebang. It's a viable option, there's just one caveat. If you don't want to be a manager and lead, train, and organize a team, if you actually just want to be perfecting your craft and working as an expert in your field, you're going to be miserable, not to mention overwhelmed because you will have just 10x your overhead costs. But there's also option number two, which is to productize your knowledge and turn your existing skills that people are already paying you for into an online course, a product you can create once and sell over and over and over again without actively doing client work. AKA creating a scalable, passive-ish revenue stream. Now, if option number two sounds interesting, you should definitely check out my free training where I walk you through the step-by-step process of creating and launching your very own profitable online course. I can't wait to see you there and let's jump right into this episode. Welcome to the Launch Society podcast, your blueprint for creating, marketing and scaling your successful online business. I am your host, Anastasia Ushakova, a launch strategist and online course consultant with experience in working on multiple seven-figure online courses and marketing campaigns that resulted in six-figure days. In today's episode, I'm joined by Katie Bambrick, sales, marketing and business coach helping online entrepreneurs grow and scale their businesses with organic sales and marketing strategies. Her mission is to help business owners 10x their sales confidence, create and launch offers that sell and increase their income and impact. Yeah, let me tell you, the second you land on Katie's Instagram page or listen to her podcast, you instantly feel she has a no BS approach, she likes to call things as they are, and she's not about blending in. Sales is such a saturated industry, and Katie really does stand out from other sales coaches, so I'm so excited to be bringing her on the podcast today to talk about how you can boost your sales confidence and scale your income. And as you listen to this episode, I'd love to hear your biggest takeaway from it. Make sure to pop into my DMs or share your favorite bit on your Instagram story and tag me. Okay, let's jump right in. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Before we dive into the nitty-gritty of sales and how entrepreneurs can really boost their sales and their sales confidence, I really would like to talk more about your entrepreneurial journey. You started out as a teacher and then transitioned into marketing and ultimately started your own coaching business going full-time within six months, which is super fast. Could you tell us how did it all happen and what led you to start your business in the first place?
1: Yeah, well, thanks for having me firstly. Very excited to be here. And yes, so I did start off as a teacher. I was a teacher not for very long. I didn't last very long. I was one of those statistics that rate of the teachers drop off is quite high these days. So I think I lasted about three years and I used to do travel blogging. And I was like, what do I do next? Like, I don't really want to do teaching. I know I'm interested in content marketing to some degree, didn't really know what that involved fully. So I decided to go into marketing. I absolutely loved it. And I was working in London, doing marketing for a couple years. And I came home to Australia for two weeks. It was meant to be two weeks. I arrived in March, 2020, we all know what happened next, Mm. Uh, COVID. The world just went wild and I got quote unquote stuck in Australia. I sort of decided to stay, but I also didn't have a huge choice in the matter. I ended up creating my business then because my hours got cut at my work in London and I thought I've always wanted to run my own business. I thought it was the perfect opportunity because I was still making a little bit of money from my other job. And so I actually went into social media management at first, quickly decided that that wasn't for me. I actually really enjoyed teaching people how to land clients on social media rather than do it for them. So I kind of married my two careers. I married the marketing, I married the teaching together, and I went into sales and marketing coaching. And yeah, as you said, I went full time within six months, which was great. And here I am today.
0: You know what really stuck out to me is that you started in a related field, but it's still not what you do today. I feel like so many people which are at the nine to five or at their full-time job and they're waiting to find the ultimate idea of, oh, what will I do in my business? I need to find the golden idea. I need to stay with that idea then for 10, 20, 30 years. But in reality, most of the time, action leads to clarity. You don't need to know what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life in your business. You just start And then you can roll from there. So was it hard for you to pivot in that moment when you started with social media management to transition into sales and marketing coaching or was it natural?
1: It was a bit of both. I think that I had this niggle inside of me that I didn't feel very passionate about social media management. And I'm kind of one of those people for better or worse that if I'm not feeling something, I'm out. Like for better or worse, you know, I'm all in or I'm all out. And I started losing interest in the social media management and I thought, this isn't really what I want to do. And I saw all these people online coaching and I thought, okay, this really appeals to me. I think I'd be really good at this. So I decided to make the leap fairly quickly. I think I'd only been doing social media management for maybe one or two months. It was, it was a quick pivot. It wasn't necessarily easy to then know what my next move was. I did definitely have moments where I was like, what am I doing? How do I even start this? What do I even sell? Like, I didn't know what my niche was going to be or anything like that. I just knew that I wanted to do coaching. So in order to gain clarity, I did hire a coach, which I think took so much uncertainty away from me. I had someone else to to guide me through the process and help me make that transition. So it made things a lot
0: easier. Mm, I love that. There is so much power in asking for help, especially when we're at the crossroads and don't know what our next step should be. I mean, there's a reason why communities and teams are able to do so much more than individual people because you can bounce ideas off and in those discussions, new ideas get born. So I really love that you mentioned that. And on the topic of sales, such a hot topic. I mean, no sales, Equals no business, right? If you're not selling something in your business, you're just doing a very expensive hobby. You're not a business owner. But lots of business owners still feel uncomfortable around sales. It's like sales is seen as something sleazy. And I've talked to so many service-based business owners who are like, if I could outsource sales, if I could just hire salespeople to do it for me, I would stop right here and now. I wish I wouldn't have to do sales. What's your experience with that? Have you had clients like this? What would you advise to these people?
1: I think people have so many preconceived ideas around sales and what that means and what that looks like and what kind of person you have to be in order to be good, quote unquote, at sales. And usually that stereotype is someone that's really extroverted in your face, that pushes something on you that you don't necessarily want maybe we've had an experience of that before maybe we've seen it in the movies I always give the example of in Matilda the the dad who's a secondhand car salesman and he's a crook and he's a fraud and that is a lot of what people think sales is they think it's selling people things that they don't necessarily really want and pushing an agenda on someone, and generally speaking, being pushy. I think that is changing slightly, but sales and selling does make people feel uncomfortable. And it's understandable because it's something that maybe you're not necessarily familiar with. And when we're doing things we're not familiar with, we can feel uncomfortable, right? It's out of our comfort zone. But anyone can be salesperson and anyone can be good at sales it is a skill and because it's a skill it means you can learn it so it really means sort of unraveling what you think about sales because from the moment we are born in every way shape or form every single day we have been selling something we tell people when we want something we tell people when we need something if you want to go to a restaurant and your friend doesn't feel like Japanese, but maybe you feel like Japanese, you're tr- maybe trying and convince your friend, no, it's really good. Trust me. It's delicious. You haven't tried this XYZ meal on the menu. Trust me. You're still selling there. It's just not in the ways that maybe you, you know, conventionally think about selling. So it's about reframing, first of all, what that means. And also selling is actually a service. You are being paid to solve someone's problem. And when you view sales through that lens versus the lens of I'm pushing something on someone that they don't really want, well, yeah, you are gonna feel icky and gross. But if you come from a point of view like, A, my program or my product is amazing. I know this is gonna solve these people's problems and I'm gonna put it in front of them. And if they want it, great. And if they don't, that's okay too then you're not going to feel pushy
0: and, and sleazy. If you know that your product is solving a problem, I feel like that's where a lot of business owners really default to this imposter syndrome feeling of like, oh yeah, I do have the knowledge, but is it really valuable for people? And doubting in themselves, they don't feel authentic in selling their offer. So I love what you said, you know, go upstream. See why do sales feel so uncomfortable to you? Maybe it is because you feel like an imposter because then it's not about sales at all, right? It's about your self-confidence. It's about how you present yourself. So I really love that. And one thing you mentioned as well is that just like any skill, it can be trained. So for people listening to this, who are like, okay, I need to train my sales skills. If anyone can learn it, I, I'm in it. I want it. How would you go exactly about training your sales skills?
1: Yeah, that's a good question because I think a lot of people are like, where the hell do I even begin when it comes to selling? The first thing I say, and... One of the, again, something that is not really understood about being good at sales is the best salespeople are the best listeners. Listen to your audience. What do they want? What are they struggling with? If you're unsure, go and do some market research, actually get on the phone with people or meet them face-to-face if that's possible for you and talk to them. What do you want to see from someone like me? If you're a fitness trainer, what kind of, what kinds of things have you tried before that haven't worked for you? What would you want to see inside a program if the result was X or what result would you want to get? If you were part of a 12 week fitness program, asking people these questions and then in your content, and I'm mainly work online uh, on Instagram. So say if you're on Instagram and you're promoting your program, talk about those issues that those people have told you they have. And the best way to get better at sales. If you can afford to, I would recommend actually hiring someone to teach you or doing a course about it to teach you. If that's not possible, then practice and find people whose sales styles you like, who you watch and you're like, oh, they sell so effortlessly and think about ways that you can take inspiration from that and potentially emulate that in some way. Just take notice of the ways that they're talking about their offers. Chances are they are repeating the same message again and again and again. They're just telling it in a different way. And that's the other thing as well. I think a lot of people are like, I feel repetitive. And I'm like, good, you should feel repetitive when you sell because you should be repeatedly telling your audience the same message. You're just delivering that message in a different way. So the best way to learn sales is by listening to your audience, but also getting better at speaking about your offers in a more creative way, looking for inspiration from other people who actually really like their selling style and practicing most of all.
0: Mm, especially the part where you said hire a coach or do a course on selling. I feel like a lot of people start out with, oh, let me DIY as much as I can. But in reality, paying to download somebody else's knowledge and skills is such a crazy shortcut. I think this is the most underrated shortcut in business. Instead of blindly trying to figure out on your own, you can save yourself so much time. And when you mentioned as well, you know, find someone whose sales style you like. There are so many ways to do sales and business in general and marketing and actually pretty much anything in life. There's not a right or wrong way necessarily, even in content space. You know, there are people like Gary Vee who are like, oh, ambush your audience in every single channel where you can find them and do as much content as possible. And then there are people who post one YouTube video every half a year. Both are successful, but in a different way. So I feel like there is a way to make anything work for you. There are different ways around it. But I love that you mentioned that.
1: Filling your blind spots is so important. If you know that you have an area of weakness and in order to make your business a success, you need to work on that thing. Go and teach yourself, whether that is by investing in a coach, which I know can be an investment. If that's not possible for you, we live in the age of information. Google it. Like there's so much free information online. Like listen to this podcast, like go and just learn as much as you can become an expert on that topic and practice and that is really the key to to nailing any skill.
0: Absolutely. So for people who are like, okay, I want to practice, but they're like, oh, a little bit terrified because they're not sure that they can bring in the sales consistently. What would you say, what are some of the key ingredients or key components for businesses to be able to bring in consistent sales where it's not like feast or famine every month?
1: Yeah. Well, firstly, I would say it can take time. So Patience is key. I think if you start your business and you're like, right, it needs to be 10K a month straight away. Well, okay. It might happen for you, but you will be a very, 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 very small minority. It takes a while to build up that recurring revenue. So one thing I would say is to start creating a diversified product suite. If I'm using my own product suite, for example, I have a combination and keeping in mind, I've done this for a few years now. So I've built up courses, I've, I've got passive courses, I've got group coaching programs, I do uh, paid masterclasses, I've also got one-on-one coaching. There are many ways that people can work with me and I do payment plans so people can you know, pay me over a period of time, which means that I know that I've got recurring revenue coming in. I'm not starting every month, starting from zero. That would be so stressful. I see people do this and it's just not the way to go. And you want to create a product suite as well that creates a customer journey. It's easier to sell to people that you've already sold to, that have already worked with you, that have had a good experience with you, hopefully, and that want to work with you and continue to learn from you. So that means creating offers that naturally lead into one another. So for example, I've got a self-paced program that's all about selling on stories. People that buy that normally end up graduating from that program and they go and buy my group coaching program, which is all about selling and marketing in your business in general. So it goes deeper. And then from there, they might go and sign on to my one-on-one coaching. So instead of me going out and finding brand new people every single month, I've got people that are on a journey throughout my product suite that continue to want to work with me. So doing things like that is key. I would also say visibility is so important, getting yourself out there, creating, creating lots of content in this day and age. I believe you need to be creating a lot of content. I don't mean go onto every single platform possible and try and make a million YouTube videos or be on TikTok and post 10 times a day if that's not sustainable for you. Choose platforms where you know your ideal client is hanging out, create content on there, do collaborations with people just like we're doing, get visible, build up an audience and practice selling. Get in the habit of selling regularly. If you can sell every day and by selling every day, I just mean speaking about your offers every day. I tend to speak about my offers every day and sell every other day when I'm not in launching periods because I don't want to always be doing a hard direct sell every day but I'm building up that product awareness and that consistency pays off over time. You know, when you do these small things every single day, it will add up and you'll start to see sales become more consistent. You'll build trust with your audience. And when you build trust with your audience and show up, when you say you're going to show up, deliver great value, you know, give them great content and provide a great customer experience. That's when you're going to get a good name for yourself, build that trust with the audience and they'll want to see, they'll want to buy from you.
0: Building that product suite is something I find especially interesting because a lot of business owners, they create this one offer and they want to have just one flagship offer. And they honestly, almost all of the time at a loss for what what can I possibly offer my audience next? And this really comes back to the other point you mentioned of really get to know your target audience. What are their problems? If you're helping them with this little chunk of their problem, what else can you help them with? I would really love to hear your opinion on how people can start with a product suite. so after they've created maybe it's a one-on-one coaching service or maybe they've created a digital product and they're like okay I'm ready to expand I want to sell something else to my audience how can they start planning that so that it's actually successful
1: well first off I would say validate it with your audience first so go out and do market research you might have an idea in your head and you're like oh I think this could be quite good but I need to go out and see if people, A, actually want this, if this is actually going to solve a problem that they're aware of. We don't want to be convincing people that they need something. Even if they do need it, it's going to be a very hard sell if people don't realize that they need it. And you can do this through your content, but it can be harder, let's be honest, right? So I would say go out and validate your ideas with market research. But I would also say, take a look at your product suite Get a bird's eye view on it and be like, right, what are some gaps in it? So, say if you've got an offer that is really, you know, maybe it's a self paced program that's 127 pounds, and then you've got a high ticket one on one coaching program that's 2,000 pounds. Well, there's a massive gap in the middle of your product suite that needs to be filled. What about the people that want something more in the mid range? That would be where I would start, right? So, maybe that would be a group coaching program or a mini mind or anything like a shorter term course that people could do. So have a look at your product suite and be like, right, what are the gaps? Where would someone need to be to go from that program to my next program? Making sure you're sort of mapping out that journey as well, rather than just sort of randomly adding things to your product suite that don't really make a lot of sense as well. So yeah, just some things to keep in mind, I think.
0: Awesome. You mentioned previously that in this day and age, we as business owners cannot just ignore content creation. And I agree with that 100%. Have you noticed working with your clients or in your business, are there any channels that are a must do right now as of this moment, or does it really depend on a case-by-case basis from business to business and people can sort of see what makes sense for them?
1: I think there's a little bit of both. So I think definitely first first and foremost, where are your, where are your ideal clients? Where are the people that are going to buy from you. Where are they hanging out? Because you want to be in front of those people. And that means getting on those platforms. So if you're selling, maybe you're a love and dating coach for divorcees over 50, TikTok might not be the place for you, right? But maybe Facebook is the place for you, or maybe Instagram is the place for you. Or if you're a business consultant that helps startups, LinkedIn is probably the place for you. But It's really about getting in front of people that, that will buy from you. And that means getting on those platforms. That being said as well, we know that certain platforms like TikTok are huge right now, and I have this resistance. I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. Like I have such a resistance to TikTok. I think it's just cause I'm 30 and I'm like, I don't know. I just can't. But that is definitely a platform that I think is a, is a great place to be because it's popping off, right? So there are certain places where I think, okay, that is a smart move marketing wise from a marketing perspective but at the end of the day like where are your where are your ideal clients hanging out like where where are they and that's where you need to be
0: I really love that you mentioned that you know that TikTok is such a great platform now in terms of reach in terms of reaching new audiences but you don't feel it so you're not on it and I feel like that's such an important distinction to make because in online marketing and in business you could be doing a thousand strategies all at once and there are experts recommending literally the opposite strategies and I feel feel like both can work but if you're really not into TikTok what energy will you show up with if you do force yourself to do those videos probably not the best energy you'll probably be resentful you're probably not going to be consistent you're just going to waste your time so I feel like it's such an important thing that you mentioned to yeah of course you have to force yourself out of your comfort zone in business but also really see what makes sense for yourself and what you feel good with as well
1: yeah I also think that sometimes we there is a bit of self-discipline involved right Like. We can't always do things that feel amazing all the time and that we only want to do. There are definitely some things that you're like, that's a smart business move. We should give it a go. So I do think there's like both that need to be listened to. I know for sure with me, I want to delve into that definitely, but I also would rather be really consistent and show up for my audience on Instagram. That's where I that's where I enjoy hanging out. That's where I feel like I've got a sense of community there. That's what I love about Instagram. You can actually talk to people. And my podcast, for example as well, is another place that I I want to be consistent with. I would rather make sure that I am nailing those platforms and being consistent there than as you said, than going over on TikTok and doing it for Girl. a week and then being like, "Oh, no." So I definitely think that's something I wanna do in the future, but for now I'm just sort of sticking to the things that I'm like, right, let's just be really good at these. Let's be consistent with these. And that's what I suggest to other people as well. Like I'm not sitting here pretending that I'm absolutely perfect with all of my content. Like I'm definitely not. I just choose where I am going to show up consistently and build that trust with, your, with my audience.
0: And speaking of your content, You're very outspoken on your socials um, and your messages (laughs) about standing out from the Uh crowd, you know, not blending in with cookie cutter sales techniques, not regurgitating the same old cliches over and over again. So can you expand on that a bit? How can business owners actually find their unique voice that will set them apart, that will feel authentic to them?
1: Most people do have a unique voice. I would say everyone has a unique voice. Very few people actually share that unique voice online through fear of judgment, through fear of standing out. Sometimes people are almost afraid of success and it's going to do no favors. I understand it. I understand being like, oh, I don't want to rock the boat too much. I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but you've got to keep in mind that if you want to stand out and you want to showcase your USP and show people why you why should they work with you versus work with another sales and marketing coach or another dating coach or another fitness coach why would they want to work with you so that means that you do need to be unapologetically yourself showcase your opinions and that in turn will build connection with your audience in marketing we hear a lot about attraction marketing but we also need to know that in order to attract people into our audience we also need to repel people as well and when people hear that they're like oh god I don't want to repel people because naturally when you're illogically wired to be liked we're pack animals but actually in order to attract the right people to us and work with people who we really enjoy working with who are similar to us share similar values see things the same way that we see them we also need to repel the people that aren't for us so I Always advocate to people, be bold, share what you think. What are some common tropes in your industry that you're sick of seeing? What do you see all the time online and how can you put your own unique spin on that? It doesn't mean when when, you, when someone says black, you say white, but what are your thoughts? And I really highly suggest that every piece of content that you create has your own unique opinion and your own unique voice stamped on it. We don't want to be creating what everyone else creates. There's a lot of vanilla content online. There's a lot of people posting online, which means that it's a saturated market, but because people are often saying the same things and it's not very bold, that provides an opportunity for you to be bold and to stand out. And when you start to do that, people will take notice and you'll notice your conversions increase.
0: Ruffling feathers. I love that you mentioned that. I used to work in a very small design agency. We were 20 people tops yet. We were working with the likes of Google, Twitter, Airbnb, Uber, with the biggest Silicon Valley companies and a lot of corporates as well. A lot of really old fashioned, rusty, heavy corporates. And the reason we were able to do that is because our branding and our marketing messaging really ruffled the feathers. So like you said, we repelled people that didn't want to work with us, but in the end of the day, what surprised me the most seeing the behind the scenes of that is that actually a lot of companies which were corporate, which were, you know, very official, they actually wanted that freshness. They actually wanted to break out from, you know, the streamline of same consultants and suits that would, you know, give them cookie cutter strategies and make them fill out a 100 Excel spreadsheets. They wanted that freshness. So you might think you'll be repelling. Someone and you will be, but those people might be looking for something else, something different.
1: Yeah. You would rather have, you know, fifteen percent of people absolutely love you and want to buy from you and lap it up and the rest of your audience maybe not feeling you than a hundred percent of people thinking you're nice and no one buying from you. And that's what happens when you are too afraid to actually stand out online, share your thoughts, share your opinions and command attention, you are going to be vanilla and you'll notice that no one's
0: buying from you. Mm. And speaking of, you know, not staying outside, I can imagine that that is the reason that so many business owners are missing out on sales. What are some of the other pitfalls or maybe mistakes that you see business owners make in their sales process, on their sales calls, that you just know are costing them money?
1: I think... And this kind of ties back into a little bit what I was just speaking about a huge mistake I say people make, or just maybe they're not even aware of it is their messaging and they aren't speaking in a way that builds buying desire. Their content is, as I said, a little vanilla, but also their content isn't really selling the program. It's not selling the transformation. A lot of people just sort of say, here is my program. This is what it's going to do for you, but they're not doing it in a way that activates the audience and they're not doing it in a way that actually builds any kind of buying desire or emotion for that person to buy from them. That's the number one mistake I see because that is so simple to fix as well. And people often come to me and they're like, I think my messaging's good. I just don't know why, but like no one's buying from me. And I look at their Instagram and straight away, I'm like, your messaging's not that good. Like, <laughs> The reason why people aren't buying from you is because it's it's not selling. Whatever you're saying is not selling. So I would say definitely that is one of them. And because the messaging is not that great, there is a lack of authority and leadership, which means that there is a lack of trust. So I've also spoken to quite a few people that they'll get on a sales call. They'll be like, "I book sales calls, okay," and I just keep getting, "I'll think about it," or I get ghosted. And I always think that means there is a lack of trust. They don't necessarily believe that when they give you their money and buy your program that they're going to see the result that they want to see. And that doesn't mean you're a, or you're a bad person at all. It just means that they're not convinced. They're not completely convinced. Because if they were, if they knew with 100% certainty that they were going to see that result, they would buy from you. They wouldn't go, oh, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. So that comes down to a lack of trust in your audience. So I definitely think if you're finding that you're not converting right now, look at your content, look at your messaging. Sometimes the program is wrong as well. I mean, there's so many, it's very hard for for me to actually say like, this is the the specific issue when I can't look at someone's specific business. But if we're going to generalize, these tend to be the issues that I see straight away. I always like sales copy messaging is a huge one that when it's fixed is like a game changer
0: love it love it Katie thank you so much for this talk I've really really enjoyed it for the people listening to this who want to continue learning from you how do you help your clients and where can podcast listeners find you online
1: yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. So the best place to find me online is over on Instagram. As you probably guessed, I mentioned Instagram about 10 times. It's where I'm working for them. It is at Katie Banbrick Coaching. You can find me there. And rather than me like listing out all the ways you can work with me, if you want to come and connect with me over there and you do want help with sales and marketing, just shoot me a message. would love to connect with you and I can see where I could best help you.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.
0: Wow, this episode was really packed with goodness, right? If you enjoyed listening to it and learned a thing or two, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and give it a rating as well. Or pop into my DMs and tell me your biggest takeaway from listening to this episode. I can't wait to hear what you thought about this episode. And until I hear you next time, bye.